Welcome to the Probate Realtor Show, your one source for selling and buying real estate through trust and probate. Hear directly from the best attorneys and trusted advisors on how executors and administrators navigate the probate process in and out of court. Being a personal representative or successor trustee can be a daunting task, and often beneficiaries don't have a clear plan. Let us help you make the right decision for your clients, your family, and your legacy. And now, here's your host, the probate realtor himself, Matthias Baker Mazzucci. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of our show. Today, we are talking to attorney Shirley Millwood. Shirley, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. We are so excited to have you because as I was doing research, I found out something wonderful. You Not only have you been practicing law for 14 years, so you're very familiar with, with the law, but you've made a decision to run for judge, which I think is just wonderful. So I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit and specifically to run for probate judge. So can you tell our audience, what does a probate judge do? A uh, probate judge resides resides, presides over yeah. cases um, and adoptions, mm -hmm. um, conservatorships, guardianships, probating estates, responsible for recording, you know, deeds, UCCs, things of that right. sort. Um, also in here in Alabama, we're the probate judges responsible for the local elections in our county and oh, okay. seeing and ensuring that the elections are handled the way they're supposed to be handled. Well, very nice. This is a important time in our country for for elections those for to make sure that elections are legitimate right there's been a lot in the news over the past two years or, or so so um, that's a very important job now i know that things are a little bit different you know from from county to county and obviously from state to state in your jurisdiction how busy are the courts are the courts busy or do you have a lot of probate judges and was that a reason you know like where you're taking on made you decide like okay i'm gonna do it because my help is needed and you know what was one of the deciding factor, I guess. So um, our current judge has decided that she's not going to run again. This is, she's finishing out her third term. She okay. has done an excellent job. And um, Judge Martin was a practicing lawyer before she took the bench and became the probate judge. In Alabama, a uh, fun fact, or maybe not fun fact, but you're not required to be a licensed lawyer to be a probate judge um, okay. in Alabama. There are a few of the larger counties that have passed local ordinances that require that. Calhoun County is not one of them. Okay. Um, as a practicing lawyer, I obviously want a practicing lawyer, um, a licensed lawyer to be sitting on the bench, making right. orders, um, entering orders and, and, you know, hearing cases. So when I learned that Judge Martin was not going to run again, I just felt like God laid it on my heart and said, this is what you have to do. I had never, as I'd never inspired to be a judge. I uh -huh. opened my practice in a rural area. I'm the first uh, law firm there in that area in Alexandria. 14 years later, I'm still the only law firm there. So I have a successful wow. practice and God has a way of changing our plans. And that's what he has done here. And so there is a need, there's a need to have someone who's experienced for this position. And I certainly feel like I'm more than qualified to take the seat. That's great. That makes total sense. Now, I know that, you know, you don't practice just probate, especially what you said, you know, like you serve a community that has more needs than just probate. So over the years, I'm sure you've practiced in different areas. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, sir. I first went to work in the legal field in 1997. I'm not trying to tell my age, but it's been a while. 
it's been more than 25 years. And so I worked for lawyers um, for 12 years while mm -hmm. I went to um, school and got my Juris Doctorate. And then I started my own practice. So during that time, I've worked in a very diverse, lots of areas of the practice of law. When I started my practice, I went out and hung my own shingle. And so just kind of taking, you know, whatever came in the door, so to speak. And then as the years passed, it evolved into basically primarily um, been handling family law cases Mm -hmm. and probate cases and that's uh, probably about all I've done for the last six or seven years I just my practice is so busy I don't have time for any other areas of the law oh, okay great so so over the years you've you've focused more and more in into probate and then it's become like a large portion of your practice yes, that and that, family law. okay that makes that makes total sense now as far as uh, choosing, you know, I'm sure there is there are other judges in your uh, jurisdiction that handle different matters. So you were already being familiar with probate, just like you said, you know, like you, sometimes you don't get to decide your path. Like, you know, there is a light somewhere and you're like, OK, that's where I got to go. There, there's a sign. There's a sign. So how do you feel? You know, one of the things that I spend a lot of time in probate court to confirm sales over here, real estate sales, sometimes when they have limited authority or conservatorships, they need to be confirmed in court. One of the things that I've noticed, and, and I'm, I'm sure you have as well, there's a lot of emotions, especially in Los Angeles. It's a very busy probate court. And it's like sometimes like a Jerry Springer episode. Dad didn't love you, you know, like blah, 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 and things like that. How do you plan you know, you have to be impartial. Uh, what, are, what is one of the things that, you know, like you've, how are you going to balance, you know, all the personal emotions that are in probate court when, you know, because you're dealing with people that have deceased, people have just experienced something like that. You feel that it's going to impact your fairness is the first part of the questions. And the second, if not, how do you feel to overcome uh, those things to make sure that your decisions are equitable? So that goes back to some of my personal experiences okay. um, in dealing with probate court. You deal with a lot of death. Fortunately, that's what a lot of that is. And I've experienced a lot of loss in my life, including the loss of my own child five oh, years ago. No. And uh, so as a parent, losing a child is the worst tragedy that you can endure. Definitely. So I've spent the last five years learning to overcome, not necessarily overcoming, but learning to navigate through grief. And since then, I've lost my stepmother, my my father, father-in-law. So, so I've endured and experienced a lot of loss in my life. I feel like that makes me more understanding, more yes. confident. After yes. losing my son, I had to educate myself on uh, grief and how to navigate through that grief journey mm -hmm. and started about four and a half years ago, made the decision that I had to have a, a healthy healing journey. Of course. And so with that, um, I've also learned the importance of mental health, which mm -hmm. is a thing that the probate court handles our commitment hearings. Mm -hmm. And so I realized the importance of mental health as well. Taking my personal experience um, mm -hmm. and applying that, but then also in my professional experience, I have represented respondents in commitment hearings, mm -hmm. um, uh, persons who are alleged to be mentally ill um, and a danger to himself or to others. I right. also have represented people who have lost loved ones and they come mm -hmm. to me and they need to file a petition for dependency to get custody of their grandchildren or their nieces or nephews or or whoever i had to learn many many years ago early in my practice that i can't take everything personal into heart right. I, I did that early on and and i'll tell you i quickly learned that i 
if I didn't stop, I was going to be on the fifth floor. And, you know, they say um, lawyers are emotionless people. And it's not that, that we don't have emotions. It's that we have to learn to separate our emotions from our business. Right. And we have to treat our business as a business deal instead of um, putting all of our personal emotions into that. And right. so I had to learn many years ago to make decisions. Even in my personal life, I make decisions based on uh, I treat everything as a business decision and I don't make decisions based on emotions. So I, between my personal and professional experience, I yeah. had to bring that to the bench and be able to set my personal emotions aside and apply the law to the facts and enter rulings that will have that will base the law on the facts. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank, and thank you very much for sharing, you know, the, the loss you've experienced. That's uh... I have had the opportunity to, you know, represent parents in the sale of real estate of their kids. You know, obviously that is, um, as you said, you know, the the greatest loss that anybody could experience. So in a sense, um, as you were talking about your path before, I think these these experiences that you've had in your life gives you such great empathy that, you know, the people that will stand in front of you in your court um, will be very fortunate to have somebody who can understand, um, you know, what they're going through, through right, you know, at the moment when they are in front of you. So thank you very much for sharing that. Um, another question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, it, probate law, at least, you know, in California, um, there's always constantly, you know, um, I, don't, I don't want to say that it's fluid and it changes all the time, but I feel like it's like a, particularly with, you know, we had like some high profile cases in conservatorships and things like that. How important do you feel it is to stay current with probate matters, you know, as a, you know, from, from the bench, you know, with updates in the law and the things and how things are changing? Um, and how do you plan to do that when, when you are um, elected judge? Well, that is absolutely 100% critical that you're able to keep up with the updates. Every Friday, our um, higher courts render opinions or, they, or they publish decisions and right. so we get those decisions every Friday. And as a practicing lawyer, I do my very best. And I can't promise you that every single week I've read all of those opinions because some weeks just don't allow that. But every week I at least go through the list of decisions that were uh, published and get get an overview. And then I'll take those decisions that are applicable to the law that I practice. And I read those decisions. And sometimes I have to, I have a certain folder on my on my laptop and I'll save it over here that says, Hey, I've got to read this. And then I'll sit down and read those decisions. So that's something that I've been doing mm -hmm. many years. In fact, I, before I even started practicing law, I, because I worked for lawyers and I was in law school for nearly four years, that was something that I've always done. And I obviously intend to continue doing that. That's great. And, and since you brought it up, let's talk about your journey. What made you decide to become an attorney? This is a, you you started working in the in the world of law, and then you made the decision. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I did. I went through a divorce, and okay. I was a single mom with three children, wow. and my children were six, three and a half, and nine months old. Wow. And I was sitting there one day and looked around and said, "Oh my gosh! Like, how am I going to take care of these children?" And I'm a first generation college grad. So I did not know what I needed to do to start college. So I picked up the phone. I called the local college and I said, hey, I don't know what to do except call you. And the lady said, come in and see me. 
So I went in the next day, but I told her, I said, well, I need to get a babysitter for my children. And she said, bring them with you. And oh, wow. Yes. So I went in the next day and I met with her and I took my three small children with me and she helped provide resources for me so that I could get into school, um, so that I could get some uh, assistance to help me provide daycare for my children so that I could go to school. And that afternoon I got home and the paralegal at my lawyer's office had called and left a message and they called to offer me a part-time job. So I started school and uh, started college and started working for them part-time all in the same week. And so that eventually over time evolved into a full-time job at the lawyer's office. And I continued on my journey. I I spent 12 years going to college. I had to take some time off here and there. I was a single parent for 15 years, raising my children, um, working full-time. And so it was when I was in the legal field, um, I remember maybe the first week I was there, I was filing papers in the filing cabinet. Like I, I started at the bottom of the totem pole right. and I was filing papers in the filing cabinet and the paralegal said, I said, you know, I really like this. And she said, oh, you're going to get tired of it eventually. It's just a cat and mouse game. It's a constant mm-hmm. mouse game. And I said, well, I really like this. And so the longer I stayed there, um, the more I liked it. And I, I went to college to get my associates in criminal justice And from there, it just sort of evolved to where, hey, I'm going to go to law school. And so that's what happened. Wow, that's wonderful. What a great story. What a great, what a great and inspiring story. I think, you know, I have four children myself and and they're all under the age of seven now. So my house, it's a lot of poopy diapers. Let's just say that. Um, And I have to say that, you know, the fact my wife and I are doing it together and to imagine that you were a single mother with three kids and then and decided to go to school. Wow. I have to, all I can say is that the people of Alexandria, Alabama, is that correct where the, the town is that you're in, Alexandria? Yes, sir. Yeah. Those people are very blessed to have you. Let me say that. Yeah. Very inspiring story. Okay. Before I let you go, I wanted to, uh, you know, I like to do a little back of the business card um, type of situ, uh, type of question. So I have a list of uh, 30 random questions. I wanted to pick your number from one to 30, if you will. And I will ask you that question. I have to go with seven. Seven. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so what sound or noise do you love? Country music. Okay, <laughs> that's, <beautiful. laughs> that's great. Okay, let me ask you another question. When you're not practicing law, being a mother, uh, what do you love to do? What are what are the things that you love doing? Um, I love spending time with my children, my grandchildren, and I am always working on projects. I love gardening. Um, yes. I learned some years ago, gardening became my therapy and gardening, but I'm always working on projects. I'm always remodeling something in my house. In fact, my, my late son, when he passed away, he was in the middle of remodeling his house. Mm. And so I had came over to his house a few times and tried to continue that project that we, that he had started and uh, just had a tough journey there for a little while. Then in 2020, I started taking care of my father and I took care of him for two years before he passed away. Mm -hmm. So earlier this year, I decided the only way I'm going to get over to my son's house and to get it remodeled is to move into it. Oh, wow. And I was living on the lake. Uh, That was one of my ultimate goals in life after finishing law school was to live on the lake. Mm -hmm. I was on the lake and uh, gave up my lake house, um, put it on as a short-term rental. And I have moved to my son's house now and I'm in my son's house remodeling it. So 
that pretty much, um, aside from working, which I work a lot, I probably easily work 70, 80 hours a week uh, between that and now campaigning and then working on around his house, getting things done. So I'm always busy doing something always. I I can't sit still. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I, I, I love it. I, I want to wish you uh, absolutely the best of luck with, with everything and, and particularly with, you know, with your now yet another chapter in your life that you, that you are brave enough to take a chance on of, of running as a judge. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I will be sure to follow up and see you know, what happens with the election. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to say goodbye to the audience. And so thank you very much for being on the show. Um, and um, we will. I will definitely keep an eye on out on the um, progress that uh, that happens over there in Alabama. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Bye, everybody. We'll see you on Bye. the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Probate Realtor Show. Find more episodes and interact with us at probaterealtor.la. That's probaterealtor.la. Listen, ask questions, and get results. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The probate realtor Matias Baker-Mazucci is a licensed real estate broker in California DRE number 02054763. Any legal information provided is for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. Contact an attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal issue or problem. We make no guarantees as to the accuracy of any information. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.